Hello, I'm Maryam. And I'm Momina. We have been friends since the seventh grade. And over the last 16 years, we have shared a mutual love of Harry Potter and a general apathy towards Stephen Moffat. But like all things, our obsessions have changed. Momina is into fantasy novels, video games, and songs that make her miserable. Mariam has a love for pop music, fitness, and mindless internet content. In this podcast, we'll do a deep dive on something our friend loves. Maybe we'll end up loving it too. Welcome, Welcome to my, my friend's secret, secret obsession. All right, are we live? <laughs> we are live. Why do we keep saying that? <laughs> I feel like this is going to be how we start our episodes now. That's our thing now. That's our like tagline. Yeah, are we are live? We, live? <laughs> we need to work on this. Early days. Early days. We need to figure out an outro as well. We do have an outro or something we're going to be experimenting with today. I'm excited. <laughs> there we go. All right. So how have you been? Since we last spoke yesterday. <laughs> I have been all right. You just like had a had a pretty packed Saturday, which I do not appreciate. Yeah. But you know, it's all right. This is life. Yeah. I usually have work on weekends as well, which sucks being like a, you know, early pro- young professional because they sort of milk you for all your worth. But this weekend has been pretty chill for me. So I'm quite happy about that. I'm glad one of us had a good weekend. <laughs> there we go. But I'm actually quite, this is, this is kind of the highlight of my day. I'm quite excited about today. Yes, same. So basically, just once again, I'm sort of annoyingly putting out the premise of the show. Since it is Momina's obsession, I'm the one who had to do some research, quote unquote, research. <laughs> 45 minutes of furious googling yes intense it was intense all right i speed read a lot of articles i watched a lot of videos on uh twice the speed nice yes, yes. that is exactly what i used to do at university when they used to upload videos of like seminars and stuff i used to like watch them at 2.5 times the speed retain maybe like 20 percent of the information but i had to do it anyway just just for myself that is all the information you really need to retain, let's be honest. <laughs> That's true. It's mostly BS and like 20% fact. We could work for Fox News basically at this point. Basically. But let's actually now come back, in fact, to your obsession. Yes. Excited about what I've chosen for all of us today. So this week, we are delving into one of Momina's obsessions. And her obsession is... The Ditloff Pass incident. Did I say that right, Momina? I think you completely butchered it. I'm so, <laughs> I'm so sorry, but to be fair, you also should not have woohooed. <laughs> <laughs> Might be. I think we're calling it the Dietloff Pass because we would normally call it the Dietloff Pass, but we heard a sketchy YouTube video which pronounced it with an E sound, so Dietloff. Well, I, I basically uh, looked at a few probably American videos and they pronounced, mm-hmm. it, pronounced it like that love. So I think I should um, ask you, when was it that you found yourself to be super obsessed with this particular incident? 
It hasn't been super long. I mean, I've only been into true crime recently, like all sort of um, young women my age. So it's only been sort of four or five years, I'd say, since I've become aware of true crime as a sort of genre. And this is one of those things, I think when we were kids, the only sort of mystery we'd heard of was like the Bermuda Triangle or um, Mary Celeste, the ship which was abandoned and had no people, but there was food on the table and all that kind of thing. So I think it's the mysteries in general are very fascinating to me. And this isn't really true crime because there's not really evidence of a crime per se, but it's a good mystery and I love a good mystery. So, yeah, and I, I don't think it's a, a secret really, but I don't tend to talk about these things with people because I just think they think I'm even weirder than I am. So um, it's just one of those things which uh, I'm very excited to talk to you about because this is a crazy mystery. It has so many weird shit happening, so much weird shit happening and crazy theories. So, yeah. But before we talk about any of this, yeah. It really is crazy. I just wanted to say, but go ahead. I just wanted to know what you knew about this prior to this podcast. Had you heard of it? Uh, I actually hadn't heard of it until uh, you mentioned it. I also kind of want to give a kind of a disclaimer before we begin, because I really kind of do want to acknowledge that this is a tragedy. There's people that died. And as it is with uh, a lot of mysterious tragedies, people just, you know, it it becomes like the subject of a lot of people's fascination. So... I just want to say we don't want to we don't want to sound like assholes and I'm sure there will be many moments where we do sound like assholes because I mean we are fascinated by somebody's um I mean I'm sure there were so many families that were affected and yeah right so as it is with like uh, the the Titanic incident for instance or like the disappearance of that mm-hmm. saint, you know it is fascinating but it's also uh you know, I sort of am always on the edge about whether we should be discussing it with an aura of mystery <laughs> when there are actual families yeah. who, who mourn the, these deaths. And, you know, so we just I just want to acknowledge that part of it as well and know that, you know, sometimes it could be problematic when we're discussing yeah, theories that are so outlandish. Yeah, it's very true. It feels kind of perverse to sort of have so much fascination for the end of someone's life, especially these young people who were at university, they were active, they were outgoing, they were sort of trying to get the most of life. And then this horrible tragedy befalls them. And then uh, people, whenever they speak about, you know, their life, they talk about the end of their life. And it's, yeah, I, I do acknowledge that it's kind of perverse and weird of us to talk about it but I think that is the fascination with true crime is that you always sort of wonder you know what you would do in in that position and you try to sort of make sense of the world I think so much of life is trying to make sense of the unknowable and the unthinkable and that's kind of where it is but yes very important disclaimer and I stand by it yeah thank you for bringing it up it is a little bit voyeuristic but I do understand that because it is so fascinating it is so out of the ordinary that people sort of hold on to it and talk about it and create theories about it. Mm-hmm. And okay. There are so many theories about it. <laughs> there are so many theories. Hint, hint, that's what the episode mm-hmm. is going to be about. Yes. Another thing I want to just bring up is that this obviously is really written about so much in pop culture and even in sort of these very scholarly pieces, books people have written and scientists have done sort of a lot of scientific research on 
what could have happened. And so a lot of great podcasts on it. And we're not going to be super uh, focusing on the, you know, of course, the facts of the case, but we're going to be focusing on the conspiracy theory angle of it, I think, because that's what really fascinates me. And that is what my obsession is around, not on sort of the nuances of what happened, but on, you know, what could have happened based on the evidence presented. Yeah, that's, uh, I mean, I, I think that's a good way to start. So just going back to what I knew about it, I, I had basically heard about it for the first time when you mentioned that you were, this was something that you were obsessed with. But as of 45 minutes ago, I've learned quite a few little ditties about this. <laughs> mm-hmm. So tell me what kind of research you did and did you use any particular sources? Was there something you gravitated more towards? So I basically, um, <clears throat> this is going to be embarrassing, all right? Because like I said, <laughs> there was a lot of speed research. I basically, yes. um, yeah, I read, I speed read an article by The Atlantic. And mm-hmm. so that was one. Um, I, I watched the BuzzFeed Unsolved episode on this, which was already oh, like wow. a seven minute long um, episode, but I watched it at twice the speed. And mm-hmm. And do you know what's that YouTube channel that does the uh, that that does the infographic stories? It actually is just called the Infographics Show. <laughs> oh, <laughs> it's not I've never yeah. heard of them. Yeah, so that okay. I that's the video I saw, and then I just saw a couple of other videos that discuss the conspiracies surrounding it because, uh, like I said, mm-hmm. that is what has fascinated people and um, that is something. That eventually, that's what people end up talking about. Yeah. So do you want to just, before we start, take people through like the basics of what this story is? Okay. I'm going to do my best. Mm -hmm. This seems like one of those uh, teacher-student moments where, um, where, you know, I haven't really done my homework, but my teacher has called me out. And so I'm just going to say what I know. (laughs) I know a lot about the Dyatlov Pass incident. It was a fascinating incident. (laughs) No, that's okay. That, this is what it's going to sound like. But anyway, so here's what I know. Mm-hmm. So the, uh, the Atlov incident, at the center of the story, we have uh, nine Russian hikers who have sort of planned this expedition. And mm-hmm. these are all, um, not all of them, but most of them are university students. Mm-hmm. And a lot of these uh, Russian dudes and dudettes, never said dudette before, but anyway, yeah, it sounds weird coming out of your mouth. <laughs> <laughs> but okay, so uh, these these band of hikers, uh, not only are these just really smart university students, but they're also kind of badasses. Mm-hmm. So, like, one of them has survived a bear attack. One of them has been attacked by a python. Uh, one of them uh, was accidentally shot in the back by a poacher. And yeah, sure. Accidentally. I believe accidentally, that. Accidentally. Yeah. And then she sort of crawled her way back to safety and survived to, to tell the tale. And so... Can so I these, just say that is the most Russian thing I've ever heard? Right. Right. And also the mm. fact that most of them are named Yuri <laughs> is also yeah. hella <laughs> Yes. It's like but the yeah. Muhammad of our world. Basically. So, um, yeah. So these nine hikers are these... Uh, super adventurous, um, you know, kind of these badass people who have had their share of run-ins with like near-death experiences and, and, you know, 
they what do I mean what do we know they just they're probably adrenaline junkies for all we know mm-hmm. right yeah. so these they're all mountaineers and so they decide that they want to go on this expedition mm-hmm. and what happens is they go up there and one of them stays back because they have um what was it maybe they have knee pain Was it yeah, they pain? have joint pain and he they had like a pain. congenital heart condition as well. His name was yeah. Yuri Yedin, I think. Yeah. So Yuri. this dude, this dude, because of his uh, alleged arthritis, <laughs> is the only one who survived. So... Are you starting on the conspiracy this early? <laughs> <laughs> no, that's This not guy apparently had for. knee pain. <laughs> <laughs> That's not what I was aiming for. What I was aiming for was that if you do have, if you do in fact have arthritis and you do find yourself being uh, left behind by your friend group, you're probably going to survive. There we go. He's like the virgin of every horror movie ever made because the virgin definitely makes it to the end. Isn't the virgin the first one to die? No, because sex is bad. So like chaste people survive. Isn't that a thing in like... all movies oh, pretty sure even like, like scream did like a the movie scream they did like a play on this ah so i this actually tells you that i do not watch horror movies at all because i'm there we go i'm a little shit when it comes to these things pak 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 that was my chicken noise yeah i don't know yeah. <laughs> it didn't work yeah i i should i should have said chicken shit but anyway Uh yeah so back to these band of super um adventurous mountaineers so they mm-hmm. basically um decide that they want to go up on this hike and then when they're up on this hike uh they suddenly disappear and we don't know what happened to them uh, for oh. a very long time so we just know that they haven't returned right there was a campsite near uh, so their base camp was found um sometime in 1959 in february okay. and so this is quite a while back this is 1959 how how many years ago is this jesus 60 61 years 61 years is what it is so yeah. um yeah we're, we're talking about a, an incident that occurred 61 years ago That's so weird because in my head the 60s are like 40 years ago do you know what i mean like i still yeah. think we're in the 2000s Yeah, yeah, no, I get it. And 2008 was two years ago. Yeah, Jesus Christ. <laughs> we were born in the 90s, which is so weird because, like, I think of all the new kids who were born like post 2000s, and they're gonna think it was a completely different time. Like, but have you seen that TikTok? Um, this this dude asks his buddy, "This like, how old are you?" And he goes, uh, "I was born in 2000," and and he goes, "And." 2000 and <laughs> my boy still going that's basically a compound sentence <laughs> <laughs> Jesus so, Christ yeah we really do get distracted on this podcast oh so we I'm do gonna... i'm sorry that's what happens when you like podcast at like near midnight it's not our that's fault true. that's true back. take it back <laughs> okay so we've got our band of adventurous hikers And mm-hmm. so they've suddenly disappeared and now we found their base camp but they're not there. And their base camp so their tents are kind of ripped apart from the inside. So this is a little uh this is this bit is important. The the uh their camp 
or they're dense, they're ripped from the inside, but not the outside. And a few meters away, they find two bodies uh, near the tree line of the forest. So, and these bodies are stripped of all their clothing. They're just in their underwear. And just mm -hmm. for context, this is uh, a peak in Siberia and the temperatures are deathly low. Like yeah. it's, it's sub-zero temperatures. And it's, yeah, so basically you wouldn't survive. I want you to think of beyond the wall. This is how cold this is. And this is probably oh, what yeah. the expedition was like. And so... Yeah, Game uh, of Thrones wall. Yeah, the Game of Thrones beyond the wall. Uh, yes. That's how cold it is. And now they found these bodies and they're not wearing any clothes. Two months later, they find three more bodies. And then a few months after that, they find two more bodies. And this time around, they find that these bodies have some injuries. So the ones yeah. that they found before, they probably just concluded that those two bodies probably died of hypothermia because they were in their underwear. Okay. So now these three bodies, they have really curious injuries. So one of them has a fractured skull. And one of them has their tongue ripped away. So this body does not have a tongue. And the two remaining bodies have all their ribs shattered. Yeah. A few months after that, two months uh, to be particular, they find four more bodies and they have similar injuries. So they have a fractured skull and they have more crushed ribs. Mm -hmm. And I'm sorry, actually, this, around this time is uh, the time that they found the other body that had the missing tongue. So they didn't find the missing tongue before that. <laughs> Right. right now is where they find the body with the missing tongue. Mm -hmm. So curious injuries. So they find naked bodies before. Yeah. They conclude that they died of hypothermia. Then a couple of months after they find more bodies. And this time they have a fractured skull, fractured ribs, and a missing tongue. And they have, they're all wearing clothes. And they're also wearing extra clothing. And uh, most of the extra clothing some researchers found are the people who sort of looked into this mystery were the clothing of uh, their, their probably their friends whose bodies were found naked. Yeah, so, that's what really scares me and sort of makes me deeply sort of just sort of unsettled about this story is that they're wearing each other's clothes. And I don't know mm -hmm. why, but that just small detail and the fact that a lot of them weren't wearing their shoes. And as you say, they're like sub-zero temperatures. Yeah. It's just so unsettling and eerie, this whole thing. It is unsettling. Well, I mean, the fact that they were wearing their buddy's clothes does not really um, surprise me because, you know, uh, in Castaway, you know, when Tom Hanks' character's friend dies, Tom Hanks just takes their shoes, takes the, guy, the guy's shoes off and creates slippers from them and then just strips him off his clothes because he's on this island. That's true. So yeah. that's probably what they did, right? Because their friends, the, the two friends probably died before they did. So they yeah. thought, okay, these are sub-zero temperatures, so we should probably just take their clothes and save But ourselves. I think, yeah, the implication that they knew their friends had died and they had had such bad sort of injuries, the people who had been discovered before, and so just the weight of that knowledge it wasn't just like a freak accident that they all sort of suddenly died they died knowing yeah. that their friends had died and they were probably going to die it's just such a tragic oh, yeah. story oh yeah it is unsettling for sure 100 mm percent. -hmm. so mm -hmm. another thing now this is super super important mm -hmm. is that they found that in the perimeter 
of uh of of like the spot where the first bodies were found and where the later where later on the rest of the bodies were found and uh from the point of their base camp the entire area was somehow radioactive yes they even found radioactive sort of stuff on uh, evidence of radioactivity on one of the clothes of the people oh yeah yeah so um the bodies who had shattered ribs shat- uh, a shattered skull and a missing tongue those were the bodies that did have evidence of radiation on their person yes and their relatives say that they had orange skin like a deep brown tan and of course these are russians they're white people and they have this orange skin and gray hair and they sort of cite that as being part of the evidence that there was radiation in that area as well and the graying hair yes. which i mean some people say that yeah. this sort of discoloration could only be explained uh through the process of aging or the process of quick aging damn unsettling go on it is really unsettling so there's radiation mm-hmm. the other weird thing is that there's no other trauma to their bodies i mean <laughs> i mean it's weird because i've just told you that one of them is missing a tongue and uh, mm-hmm. they have shattered bones but there's no outward trauma to be found yeah i think the person. thing with the Diatlov pass was that they had no soft tissue damage so when like someone hits you or you know you're whatever there's some uh, blunt force trauma you would expect the soft tissue the skin to be damaged but their internal organs were damaged but not the skin which is a very curious thing and and i think how the investigators um um wrote a statement about it they called it a compelling natural force that had done yeah. this which just the phrase compelling natural force is just so vague and ambiguous and makes me just so crazy because i feel like there needs to be a better answer i realize it's a 60 year old mystery and we can't really do much anymore but compelling natural force come on compelling natural force just i mean it just sound already sounds like such a cover up yes it does it does right oh mm-hmm. man uh, like an unco- uh, what's the word again compelling natural force a compelling natural force that is so sus <laughs> it is sus yes right because it's just it's a creepy choice of words is what i want to say it is yes i think even like natural force or natural forces would be fine but the compelling somehow gives it this sort of um, like intent yeah like character yeah. which is just like no stop doing that yeah that's yeah it's really really weird so mm-hmm. initially people the reason they came up with this term was because this um the damages on their body were way too curious and also way too strong for a human being to cause mm-hmm. so you know like um like we said that the tent was ripped from the inside which probably means that they tried to get out of the tent right and they made their way out so what was it inside the tent that they had to rip their way out yes so that's a little bit weird and i would just like to point out that the fact that a human being couldn't have caused that damage does not rule out my second favorite theory a yeti a yeti but well like how did the yeti get inside 
I mean, you don't know Yetis. Maybe they... Well, I don't think... Well, okay, this is for the later part of the show, but I think if it was a Yeti, maybe they just heard it like Chewbacca-ing outside and they got freaked out and ripped the tent to get out because, you know, mm. a flimsy tent isn't going to help you, so they wanted to escape. I see. Okay. Another one of... Um, so initially what happened was they, they theorized that this was just a result of hypothermia because... Um, one of the symptoms of hypothermia is that you do get really disoriented and mm-hmm. um, there is a sort of a like I think they call it paradoxical and rusting where yes. they feel like so when you do suffer hypothermia you feel like your body's on fire and so yes. this was one of the theories why they found so many of these people without their shoes on or simply in their underwear yeah, this is super well documented. And I actually saw this survival movie whose name I don't remember, but the woman does, did exactly that. She was in super like sub-zero temperatures and she started taking her clothes off. And yeah, uh, yeah I mean, I, I can totally imagine, like I know when I, because as a brown person in a tropical country, when I get even slightly cold, I just feel really hot weirdly. I just feel like my skin is burning up and my like blood vessels are trying to escape out of my skin. So yeah. it makes sense. So yeah, um, so uh, the initial uh, theory was that it was in fact hypothermia, which caused them to take all their clothes off. But still, this does not explain uh, why the entire area was radioactive or why there was a missing tongue. Damn. Mm-hmm. Right? Another theory is that they probably were hit by an avalanche. And by the way, the mm-hmm. theories that we're talking about right now are the legit theories <laughs> of what actually yes. could have happened, right? So yes. hypothermia being one and then avalanche being another. So yes. uh, I have a lot of issues with this avalanche theory. Can I go into a mini rant about why this avalanche theory isn't probable? Pray tell. Okay. So, um, and this is, of course, you know, I've read a lot about this. So credit to like the Wikipedia pages and all the Reddit threads that I've read over the years. But Basically, they had done maybe like 100 expeditions before this, not these people, but there had been 100 expeditions or more at the Dyatlov Pass before these people came, and not a single time had an avalanche happened. Um, It was just not an area that was prone to avalanches. And also, there were no signs of an avalanche. You know, the bodies were covered with very shallow snow, even though they were discovered sort of months later. Um, and also these people were experienced hikers, you know, Dyatlov himself was super experienced, but also another one called, um, I think, Zolotaryov, I'm butchering the name, but really sorry, but he had, he was actually studying for his master's certificate in ski instruction and mountain hiking, and there's no chance that he would pitch up a tent in the path of an avalanche. Like these people knew better. They were smart. They were adventurous. They were experienced. And then lastly, a uh, sort of an point of evidence which goes against the avalanche or hurricane theory is that when you see the footprints of these people um, you can tell by the footprints and how they're spaced um, the speed at which these people were going and they were walking at a normal pace they weren't like like rushing out of the tents although the you know the tearing up of the tent from the inside suggests panic um, the way these people were exiting this area seemed like they were sort of quite comfortable and they were doing it in a very sort of studied way. And so I personally have a couple of choice sort of favorite theories, but the avalanche is not one of them. So, I mean, um, 
if there was in fact an avalanche that could explain why they tore their way out of their tent right mm-hmm. yeah because they probably heard like the rumble and they probably know, knew that they were going to be crushed if they don't hurry and get out and run for their that's lives. true but but then again area unlikely for an avalanche no signs of it footprints normal pace walking i don't know i i just don't buy it yeah so the avalanche theory is out there we go. <laughs> we have decided. <laughs> we have decided that the avalanche theory is probably not going to cut it. Mm-hmm. Uh, hypothermia, maybe, but maybe. But listen, if you so if you're basically in sub-zero temperatures, mm-hmm. has there ever been a case of your body getting so cold that your body parts just fall off? Well, I think one of the reasons, like, of course, there's frostbite and stuff, but I think the tongue and the eyes being eaten can be easily explained by just animals after the fact that they had died. So I think the tongue is sort of a red herring because we can assume that that happened sort of post-mortem and they were already dead by that point. And of course, hypothermia is a very probable explanation. But my thing with this mystery always has been that hypothermia is not the cause of the death. It's the it's a consequence of, of them actually coming out of the tent. So for hypothermia, it doesn't explain why they came out of the tent in the first place. Of course, they might have died because of hypothermia. It's very likely. But why did they leave? There must have been something happening. Hmm. Very, very sus. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, the fact of the matter is that we still don't know what happened. So this is where yeah. we're going to end Act 1. <laughs> yes. That we don't really know. Nobody really knows what had happened. But this uh, incident has intrigued people so much that the case was actually reopened in 2019. And the findings were once again submitted in the beginning of, no, actually last month. Yeah, so they reopened the case. The Russians reopened the investigation to this incident in 2019. Yes, that's the one I'd heard about. Yeah, and so uh, that the conclusions from that particular investigation were presented in July 2020, last month. Wow. And so this investigation concluded that um, the cause of the death was a mixture of things: hypothermia, an avalanche. And this avalanche is basically what forced them out of the tent, um, out of their camp. Sure. Uh, and also low visibility. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I'm not buying it. Yeah. And also, the, so um, the official statement that they put out in their 2020 findings were that it was a heroic struggle. There was no panic. Mm-hmm. But they also had no chance to save themselves under their circumstances. Damn. So uh, it kind of goes back to what you said earlier, that they probably knew that they were going to die. Yeah, that's the worst part. Like, if I want to die, and of course I'm going to, but I, are you like off the camp that says you would want to die without knowing about it? Oh, yeah. Like, would you rather be told that, oh, you have five years before you f- die or just like oh, no. you die that without? Be, yeah. That would be terrible. I just, I want to be, I, I, I don't want like a prior notice. Yeah. Although like 10 years might be good. I don't know. No, I, I mean, I don't want, I don't want to serve a notice period. I just want to be out. <laughs> yeah, that is true. Die in your sleep, as they say. That's sort of probably the best. Oh, man. This just got uh-huh. morbid real quick. Well, that is what this podcast is, I have noticed. <laughs> we talk about gorillas, we don't 
going to talk about how cute they are. We talk about poaching. We talk about K-pop. We talk about the structural racism within that system. It's just like... Hey, I did is- talk about how cute gorillas are, okay? I told you. <laughs> when little baby gorillas do the whole thing where they laugh and they're tickled. <laughs> <laughs> but also, it, but I mean, we also cannot ignore that aspect of, um, of these topics. Yes, I think that's important. I mean, uh, now that we've concluded what we actually think could have happened, we mm-hmm. still know in our mind that these explanations are probably not enough. So there's yeah. something else there, which brings us yes. to Act 2. Woohoo! Act 2. Now, this is something that I, uh, this is what I'm actually obsessed with. To me, this mystery, of course, is a tragedy, but it's also really underscored by just how fucked up it is. There's so much weird evidence around this. It's not cut and dry. There's just a lot of stuff and nuance that we need to explore. Um, So I think maybe it's a good idea if you agreed for me to sort of take you through some of the major theories and, and see what you feel about them. Sure, sure. Uh, but I really want you to start with the with the Mansi people theory because I just want to shoot that down real quick. <laughs> yes. <laughs> sure thing. So the Mansi tribe was a tribe that lives up in the Ural Mountains. They're actually reindeer herders. And can I just say this is off topic, but I always thought that reindeer were like a fantasy animal, like unicorns. I didn't know they were a real thing until like I was like 15 or something really embarrassing. Because you hear about them in the context of Santa Claus. Of course, we're brown people. We don't celebrate Christmas. And so I always thought reindeer were like made up. Because it's just a stupid name. What the fuck is reindeer? It makes no sense. Um, but yeah, they were actual herders of reindeer. Um, but the issue with the Mansi tribe is that they were actually a really peaceful tribe. And um, yeah, maybe you want to talk about um, why you think this is bullshit. that The Mansi tribe actually crept up into their camp late at night and, and created all this havoc. Because why... Should we always villainize like the indigenous people of an area? Like, why are there yes. all fuck racism? That's what it is. It really is because, like, these are people who, like, they're just like like herders, and and they just want to live their simple life and get along with everyone. And it's, I agree with you. That's what I always felt as well about this theory was that, yeah, blame the brown people or blame blame the indigenous people. It makes no sense. Also, there was no sign of combat. That would be very obvious because there would be soft tissue damage. And also what everybody sort of glosses over when they talk about the Mansi tribe theory is that they were only their footprints in the snow. They were only nine sets of footprints. Nobody else was there. So unless like in the novel Dune, the sci-fi classic novel Dune, which I love where these uh, indigenous people can cover their footprints in the sand, unless it was that kind of situation, there's no way it was the Mansi tribe. Get your, like, check your privilege, white people. It's just always been so easy to to blame the indigenous people of whatever area. Mm-hmm. So I'm just I just want to shoot that down real quick, and that's yes. not something that I'm interested in exploring or theorizing about. Absolutely, I agree with you 100%. So we've already shot down the Mansi tribe theory. We've shot down the avalanche theory. I mean, the hypothermia theory could could be very well true, but of course. 
hypothermia is a consequence of why they left the tent, like we said. So eh, let's file that away for later. What do you think about an animal attack theory? Do you think like a bear? Because like there were bears in that area, but of course it was winter, so they were hibernating. So what is your general thought about that? I mean, why... It's just like, do bears attack this way? Like, don't bears maul you if they had to attack you? Don't they just maul you? Like, there would be yes. some tissue damage. Why would your um? Why would your organs be damaged? Well, why would a bear to death? Yeah, but then, I mean, there would there would be evidence on their bodies. There was no trauma on the outside, right? And a, I don't think a bear would be interested in just gr- ripping your tongue off. If a bear was to come to you, they'd probably rip you in half. Not that, not that, not that bears go around attacking everybody, but yeah, if they feel threatened. That's true. Uh, Also, they were hibernating. Like, why are we even discussing this? No, it was not an animal attack. And bear, I mean, are there, does this place even have bears or polar bears or whatever? Actually, it did have brown bears, but they were definitely Ah. hibernating. Unless it was a bear that was sort of like, you know, had an, like sleep deprived and like on a schedule <laughs> and decided not to hibernate that winter because it had work to do mm. but yeah it wasn't a fucking beer and i don't know maybe it was i don't know what other i don't know what other animals were local to that area but it definitely wasn't a bear attack mm. i don't know what this weird thing is with russia and bears though are there like a lot of bears in russia because i know of this like one because my husband is super into ufc and there's this one fighter whose claim to fame is that he used to wrestle bears and he's Russian. And it's just, it's so weird to me. It's also very um, stereotypically Russian that every Russian baby grows up fighting bears. <laughs> oh, wow. Damn. Yeah, it's not true. It's just something that people say. Yeah. I was going to ask a stupid question about would you have a pet bear, but I know you wouldn't have a pet gorilla. So why would you have a pet bear? I would never have a wild animal as a pet who does not belong in the urban world. While animals do not make good pets, let them be. Leave Brittany alone. <laughs> I have a random fact about bears. Can I? T- well, it's not really about bears, but you know, teddy, like a teddy bear, is yeah. named after Theodore Roosevelt, who was the American president. I don't know why. I'm sure he was like a cuddly mofo, but that's <laughs> my bear fact for the day. <laughs> Great. Another theory I want to sort of brush past to you, and and this is, again, I think going to be like the Mansi tribe, like level of dismissal, but tell me what you feel about yetis. Hmm. I'm actually not going to dismiss it right away. (laughs) Actually, I just want to say that I know Mariam and I know that she believes in the supernatural. Isn't that true? I think we've talked about you believing in ghosts and stuff, which I completely don't subscribe to, but I find it super interesting. Hmm. I don't know. I'm, I'm, I, no, I don't completely believe in them, but I also cannot, um, cannot dismiss. Yeah. Yeah. That's Mm -hmm. what it is. Like, an agnostic ghost believer (laughs) (laughs) well that's true there's no way to know yeah we should all be ghost agnostics because we don't know so mariam tell me why you believe in the yeti theory or why you're not so easy to dismiss it no um so it's not one of my it's not one of the theories that i strongly back but Mm -hmm. because you know once again we I don't know enough about the Yeti. I like calling um, the Yeti the abominable snowman. I just think that's so yes. much cuter. <laughs> it's a lot more fun, yeah. That's so much cuter. 
So uh, I think it's the word abominable. Like you're abominable. already judging its moral character. It's so rude. Right? Okay. It's like it's a bit Dr. Seuss of us to call him the abominable snowman. <laughs> yeah, it's true. All right. So uh, once again, um, I don't know enough about this creature because, like, is this creature an intelligent being? Like, is this creature smart enough to, like, um, to, like, you know, clear its tracks uh, or to kill in such a mysterious way? Like, is it smart enough to want to fuck with humans in that way? Yeah, they're like whole species of abominable snowmen and, like, there's some bad apples and they're, like, serial killers. You don't... Oh, yeah. We don't know, right? But also, like, um, uh, we don't know how intelligent they are because when I think of the abominable snowmen, I think of, like... uh, like a Mars attacks monster, right? Or not a Mars attacks monster. That would be a whole different theory. But like, you know, like a monster, like an animal in the same way that we're talking about bear attacks. That's what I think of. And I think of an abominable snowman that's probably going to be attacking you like a bear. So in that case, I don't really know how the theory would stick because once again, the injuries to these bodies are really sus. And, uh, Mm -hmm. And also it wouldn't explain the radiation because oh yeah is there is there um are there any theories about the abominable snowman that talk about them fucking with radiation i don't know and i i i actually don't even know where the abominable snowman is indigenous to like i thought it was an american thing isn't it uh just i don't really know i think it's um it's an idea that comes in different cultures uh, in the same way you know the uh, how we have like the pitchel peri in the motorway Yes. I just want to say, you cannot say that at like midnight because I get super freaked out. I'm (laughs) I'm already going to be freaked out um, because we chose such a scary topic to talk about. And we're talking about it at midnight. But anyway, uh, now that I've said it, you know, that that woman who is essentially, I don't know. I don't even know how to explain that woman. Like, yeah, please uh, explain it for everyone else, because it's a very sort of subcontinental concept. First, explain what the name means. Mitchell Perry means a woman that has um, that has upturned feet. Is that how we would say it? Yeah, Is like it backwards. Yeah, the, like the feet, feet on backwards. Yeah, yeah. She, she has her feet on backwards. She basically, it's like putting your shoes on backwards, but it's your feet. Oh, that's so creepy. <laughs> Sorry. You know that um, there's this like urban legend in our country where this man was in um, this sort of like coastal beach town and he saw a woman like a really beautiful woman on the side of the road and she was asking for a like she was hitchhiking and she was asking for a ride back home and he gave her a ride back home and so he was on a motorcycle she was behind him and during the ride he noticed that her feet were on backwards and just that imagery is so ah! freaky to me and oh my god but i was uh, going to say that every culture has their version of the pitchel berry oh really that is fascinating yeah, because most of them have um most of them have stories about you know these curious women who disappear or they kill you because they're hitchhiking um yeah. so i've actually never seen supernatural uh, i've only seen the first episode and the first episode ha- this was the premise where oh wow uh, a man driving by a motorway or a like a highway what's the what's the western word for a motorway isn't it just a highway maybe yeah probably highway so a person's driving along the highway and this woman wants to hitch a ride and <sighs> this woman has <laughs> her feet on backwards or something like that or she disappears but yeah this is what i was going to say that uh, cultures 
most cultures have like their own versions of these urban um, urban uh, urban legends or these yeah. monsters, right? Uh, so I think that the abominable snowman probably occurs in a number of places that are snowy and yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Can I just say two quick things? Number one, I'm on my bed recording this podcast and I scooted all the way back so my back touches the headboard because I don't want to leave my back exposed to monsters because it's like that thing mm-hmm. where you don't want to leave your legs out without a sheet covering them or your like oh, arm yeah. hanging down your bed oh, yeah. because monster is going to get you so that's number one uh number two um i don't know i just feel like we need to have an episode on like subcontinental supernatural things um i'm gonna no! call that as my obsession no! it's gonna be super creepy but it's so i'm not going to do this I'm, i just <laughs> already not do it thank you very much i don't i don't, i don't watch horror movies what the fuck yeah okay damn i'll do another podcast with another best friend that's okay <laughs> no thanks uh, we have some scary ass urban legends man i that would have true. so many sleepless nights if we actually do this like we i don't know why we love to be creeped out yeah. <laughs> the way that we do i sleep with the lights on no joke because i find it too scary <laughs> oh my God. so i don't know why i do this to myself Anyway. But anyway, so yeah, the abominable snowman is probably found in um, like, you know, many cultures. So, uh, but my question is that, uh, you know, so I sort of think of the abominable snowman as like a dumb, dumb monster, right? So I don't know how intelligent this dude was to cover his tracks up, uh, his or her there. Yeah, how dare you? Did you just sorry. presume his gender? I'm sorry. I corrected myself. That's what's important. I didn't misgender him. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't misgender him. Yeah, there we go. I also asked, did you presume his gender? Like, geez. <laughs> Internalized <laughs> misogyny. Yeah. Okay, let's move swiftly on to another theory because I feel like we're running a little long. But another theory that actually I told my husband that I was doing this podcast and this is a very obscure theory, but this is the one that he thinks is sort of accepted amongst everyone, which was very surprising to me. But it's about catabatic winds. And what these are, are winds that carry high density air from like a higher elevation down to like down a slope under the force of gravity. So it's like a lot of air coming down whoosh from uh, like a like a place up high and what this does is it creates a carmen vortex street which is basically an infrasound which is capable of inducing panic attacks in humans and i remember mm. when i was first into the diatlo of past mystery there's a youtube video which says well this is the infrasound that's going to drive you crazy and i heard it and i'm not going to lie i would recommend that everyone look this up as well it made me mm. deeply uneasy because you can't hear it it's just like the time moving forward and it's nothing you feel like it's on mute but it just makes this like it just makes you uncomfortable and it makes like your skin crawl on top of your like body and on top of your bones and maybe it's a placebo Aww. i think a lot of things are but um it just it, i'm sure it's a thing and so it says it's this wind that creates this infrasound and it caused like this mass panic amongst these people it would explain like the tent being ripped from the inside 
them running off in different directions. One of the people actually climbed the top of a tree. Some people say it was so, so that he could see the camp. But they were generally, the sense I get from this mystery is that these people were 100% panicking. You know, some of them had one sock on, a lot of them didn't have shoes on. Um, you know, their belongings and shoes had been left behind. Um, they were the remains of a small fire on the edge of a forest. They were wearing each other's clothes, as we discussed. Um, a lot of them were in their underwear. And so it's just like such a weird thing. And um, I just feel like the panic theory really explains what it was. So it could be this infrasound, but it could also be, I assume it could be an animal. It could be something more sinister. Um, I'm going to get into my favorite theory in a bit, but I just want to get your sense of, uh, like get a sense of what you think this is. This Like I want to get a sense of whether you think this is true or not. So I am sufficiently creeped out. I'm probably not going to be able to sleep today. That's all I'm going to say. Thank you for that imagery. (laughs) But no, I, um, so that is something I would definitely not be YouTubing. But as you were talking about this, I was just thinking of that Beatles song, A Day in the Life. Yes. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. It has that, um, uh, that shift in the in the track where it goes from the melody section into the woke up, get out mm-hmm. of there. You know, you know the uh, the mel- the shift that I'm talking about. But there's yes. just like this static noise in there, and that always makes me really uncomfortable. And I always oh. wonder why it, why that is because mm-hmm. it's just really unsettling to me. So um, yeah, I'm sure that like you know sound has the ability to do that to create panic or. Or calm. I mean, in the same way that we, when we listen to like a song that we really like, we feel happy or, you know, songs can make us sad or songs can put us in a happy mood. So I'm sure that Mm -hmm. there is some truth to this. Mm -hmm. I think it's things that we can't sort of like visualize as human beings because so much of our auditory knowledge is visual. And so if something that's like a feeling or like something that is sound or just touch or whatever, it's really Mm -hmm. unsettling. And and so, yeah, I can also imagine that being a very legit theory. It's not my favorite Mm -hmm. theory because I think that um, it's sort of, I don't know, I, I get the sense that it's unlikely. And um, I feel like if you are experiencing this weird thing and you don't hear it, then maybe you would talk to the other person about it. Okay, like, what is this that I'm feeling? But I, I, mm-hmm. I don't know, maybe it's just so strong that you just feel like the only thing in your mind is get the fuck out of here. Mm, so it's like the fight, flight or fright. Yeah, perhaps. Very interesting and very curious and very unsettling. Yeah. Uh, I don't like this theory. <laughs> I don't like the yeah. image that it's putting in my head. <laughs> you know what I also often wonder about? So my sister had a marketing agency and it was called Mantis. And a mantis, mm-hmm. like not a praying mantis, but there's like a deep sea creature called a mantis, which has like 300 cones. And cones are the mm-hmm. things that in your eyes that enable you to see color. And I think humans can, I'm just like, I'm not going to say the number because I know I'm going to get it wrong, but we have like far fewer cones in our eyes and birds have even fewer, dogs have even fewer. And so these, these mantises, they have like 300 plus cones in their eyes. So they can see colors that we cannot even visualize, just like dogs can see reds and greens and we can see so much more. Mm-hmm. So just this idea that there's like a world out there that we live in, but we just cannot conceive of or perceive, to me, it's yeah. just so unsettling. I, I don't like that at all. 
No, I, I get what you mean. Um, first of all, while we're on the subject, deep sea life just creeps me out as it is. Just I hate that we don't know what's down there. We know more about outer space than we know about deep sea life. That is so, so true. Right? Right? Yeah. And then also just um, uh, on the subject of the unknown, just like string theory is so weird, right? The fact that we can only see three dimensions uh with the naked eye but there's so many fucking dimensions out there and we haven't even figured out how many there are so i mean yeah. if we can only see three dimensions who knows uh what lies in those other dimensions that we don't know of yeah have you ever seen those um i think on the wikipedia page of like the tesseract a tesseract is basically like a four-dimensional image of a cube and so just like a piece of paper is two-dimensional but so you can draw like a two-dimensional cube but then we see it as three-dimensional when it's actually in front of us so I remember being super fascinated in my teenage years and watching this like gif of a tesseract and imagining what a cube looks like in four dimensions and you feel like for like a split second you feel like you get it but as soon as your brain goes there it completely deflates and you're like well no i i don't know what i was talking about it this is just like meaningless to me but yeah that thing of dimensions is like really freaky to me as well i completely agree yeah 100% the word tesseract just reminds me of that doctor who episode <laughs> is there a doctor who episode with tesseracts oh uh, yeah which one was the doctor I I think it was Tenant, but I'm I could be wrong. Yeah, I haven't rewatched a lot of Tenant. I really should. Should this be one of mm-hmm. our secret obsessions? We should really have like after every like ten episodes, we should have like a joint obsession because I feel oh, like yeah. common than not. Oh my god, a Harry Potter episode and what made us <laughs> oh love it god. in the first place, and then how <laughs> much we hate me. that it has been ruined. Dude, we need to do this. That sounds fascinating. Right. Can we do it the, like do the it. next one? Sure. Oh, oh my god. god. I love it. <laughs> oh, that makes me sad. So I've it gone does. from being scared to being sad. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's, I think sadness is better than fear. But I feel like with Mariam and I, uh, for <laughs> this is like a quote to live by sadness is better than fear. <laughs> but with Mariam and I, um, we bonded over the fact that when we were like, kids I think like 12 13 we used to have literal like two hour long phone conversations about Harry Potter and right now I cannot even fathom what they were about but they were 100% about Harry Potter don't you agree they completely were and I also want to (laughs) say that since that time this is the first time this podcast is the first time that we've been on the quote-unquote phone for two hours at a stretch talking about something that we love that is so true. It's like a flashback right? to being kids again. I love this. I love that. Oh. We're just obsessing over things like teenagers. Yes. No <laughs> responsibilities, no bills for this like two hours. I don't have to pay any yeah. internet bills. Fuck that shit. <laughs> anyway. Yeah. And it's not like we have work in the morning. Oh, Jesus Christ. Well, I don't because it's a Sunday tomorrow, but I, I'm, I'm sure you do because you like work super hard. And I actually don't have work tomorrow. Woohoo! Okay. <clears throat> this leads me into the last theory that I think we'll be discussing today. Actually, the second last, because the last one we have a special guest, our alien expert. But the second last mm-hmm. one is the one that I actually believe the most. And I wonder if you've read um I wonder if you've read anything about it. So this is the military involvement theory. So before I go into it, I'd like to hear if if you've learned about it at all. 
I did learn about it a little bit and um, this sounded to me like the most plausible explanation. Um, yes. Right? Because what I did learn about it is that uh, when they did discover the bodies with uh, the bodies that were wearing a bunch of clothes, they did find um, a piece of fabric that had military origin. Um, and they also had skis and glasses with them or, or, or you know, just um, equipment that they did not um, head to this expedition with. Um, so, yeah, so they did find like items that they thought were of military origin. Uh, so this is something that I did find out about. And another thing that I did find out about was that there was probably a lot of radiation. And this is around the time where the Russians are at odds with, well, basically the rest of the capitalist world. Oh, wow. So, so um, what I, I mean, there's a theory that they probably were developing weapons of mass destruction, as the Americans like to call it. Well, I mean, the Americans think mm. every nation is building weapons of mass destruction <laughs> to use against I mean, them. if you have oil, but, you definitely have weapons of mass destruction, according to Americans. Yeah, yeah. So that's uh, one of the theories that uh, this was probably a site for military experimentation. Yes. So let me tell you a bit more about it. So basically, yeah. there's speculation that the campsite fell within the path of a Soviet parachute mine exercise. And this is a very specific kind of exercise. A parachute mine exercise is kind of when you drop like a naval mine onto you know the ground and um, you're just sort of testing it out. Um, and so actually, there are records of parachute mines being tested by the Soviet military in the area around the time the hikers were there. And so these mines, the way they work is they sort of detonate while still in the air. And what is really interesting is that they produce um, sort of signature injuries similar to those experienced by the hikers. So, you know, heavy internal damage, but less um, external trauma, as you would call it. Um, and so that in itself is very interesting. But um, also, there um, were reports sightings of like glowing orange orbs like floating in the sky or in the general vicinity of where the hikers were at and um, there's some reports I mean I've read a lot of reports about this over the years but some of them actually say that these orbs were photographed by these hikers um, and what's super interesting is that one of the police officers who was working the case um, his name was um, Lev Ivanov um, and he was the person who like led the official inquest in like the late 50s. Um, but many years later in 1990, he published an article that said that um, his team reported that they had seen flying spheres in the sky, um, which is super weird. And he said that after he disclosed this information to his superiors, he received like direct orders from high ranking regional offices saying that you should dismiss this claim entirely. So um, I am very much in the camp of military involvement. I mean, I don't think that the military was there to fuck these people's lives up in particular, but I feel like there was an exercise, like a military exercise that was happening that, you know, for some reason was in the area of these hikers and they fled in panic and that the government tried to hush it up. Because um, like you said, you read an article in The Atlantic, um, I think it was by Alec Loon. And it's one of the best articles I've read about the Dyatlov past mystery because he talks about the context a lot. And as you know, I'm like super into context, into like the political ramifications of things. 
And um, like Russia is a population where like more than half of the people believe that the moon landing was a hoax. That's even more than Americans. And so there's like a culture of like hushing stuff up or thinking things are conspiracies. But um, the government itself has been very pro like using myths and secrets and all of this sort of like counterculture rhetoric to um, sort of like obfuscate like stuff. And, and so I really think that it was that. Um, I'm wondering if like this extra information has um, made you more convinced that it was like a military thing. No, but I'm a little bit confused. So explain those orbs. Like you find bits of orange light. What is that precisely? I feel like that was just literally the like the mines falling from the sky, like in like a like a flare of like gunpowder or whatever. Like I don't know how that stuff works, but it was just like missiles landing um, onto the earth. Hmm. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Interesting. I feel like you feel the orbs are more like alien related no because if it's missiles falling from the sky why were there why were they suspended in the air well no it's just they they have um recollections of things well floating in the sky yes but also falling to the ground but yeah actually you're right why would they be floating in the sky like how long would they be airborne maybe yeah i don't know that's a good point damn it's probably like Physics, right? Probably like somebody with some knowledge of physics could explain this to us. Yeah, perhaps they're like suspended in the air for like a couple of seconds before they fall or they're uh, on the plane itself. And, and, and yeah, maybe. I don't know. Who remember? Knows? Remember that like back in the day, I don't know if you studied this, but we would always study this bit where um, like a paratrooper falls from a plane. So like the initial fall is super, super speedy and then it sort of levels out. Oh, wow. again physics (laughs) who knows (laughs) but you know what this is a good time for i think this is a good time to bring in our alien expert because the orange orbs you're right they kind of don't uh, make sense with the rest of my military theory all right so guys uh like we've been referencing quite a lot in this episode we have an alien expert and I'm just going to be calling uh, this alien expert brother, right? So we're going to be <laughs> referencing our alien expert as brother. There we go. And does that sound good enough to you? Momina? Yes, it does. It does. Okay. So um, our alien expert is basically hopefully going to tie up those loose ends because we've discussed so many theories, but and we still, you know, there's so many things that are unexplained. Mm-hmm. And one of the most popular theories, as you mentioned, are that there was probably some sort of an alien involvement because what's the word that they used once again? Compelling natural force. Yes, a compelling natural force. So a lot of people just thought, okay, so there's radiation. There mm-hmm. are orbs floating through the sky. Mm-hmm. And there are a lot of unexplainable injuries. Yes. So, naturally, aliens. Aliens. Aliens, am I right? Yeah, exactly. So, brother is somebody... So, if you were doing this podcast with brother, you are basically only be talking about aliens because brother is super obsessed with aliens. (laughs) Um, Knows all about, like... Knows all about them, essentially. So, I'm going to put this... I'm going to put brother on and... They can introduce themselves. Hi, brother. Hello, hello. Okay, I, I'd first like to start off by saying I am not an alien expert. I don't even claim to be one. 
<laughs> it's just, just, too late. It's, it's been, too it's late. been put out on the internet, so you are. <laughs> Fine, I'll take that title. We have legitimized you. <laughs> so, first of all, what I'd like to know is what you know about the Dyatlov Pass mystery. Like, do you want to sort of talk about um, how you came into contact with the mystery, first of all, and then maybe perhaps explain um, how you think aliens might have been able to, you know, explain away the the incident itself? So, this is really interesting. The, we, I first came into contact with this incident, like, in grade three or four, because... We had a book back then assigned to us for English about paranormal or something, you know, unexplainable incidents. Yeah. I don't remember what it was called, but it had Bigfoot, the Loch Ness Monster, and this incident. Wow. So I didn't even really thought about it much, but uh, in later years, I went back and looked it up, and it always strikes me as really, really creepy because there's a multitude of things that could have happened to these people, right? Mm-hmm. From here to used to one thing that I uh, that you know recently caught my eye was the glowing orange orbs yes. near the site. Like so, there were hiking groups in February and March of the same year, nineteen fifty nine, that like testified to seeing orange glowing orbs in the sky. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so, and what the other thing that caught my eye was the radiation on the person. So, there was another incident in nineteen eighty in uh, Dayton, Texas. So this family was. Co- family of five or four people in a car going back home 29th of December 1980 it was a few days after Christmas so they were traveling home and they see this giant diamond thing coming out of the sky and landing on the road and they say it was so bright and so hot that it made their car like the metal they couldn't touch the metal because it was so hot and these people look are looking at the lights they're like okay what oh my god what is happening what is happening and then the light just disappear and then they go back home and then a few days later they start to notice okay there's something wrong with this so it, this incident is called the cash lundrum incident because of the names of the people involved so these people started mm-hmm. develop started losing hair started uh like their skin started to go uh, like different shades and the they got a check and what they found was that these people had been under the effects of ionizing radiation which wow. is really interesting because, because these people started to lose their hair and I, it's, it's what you would and started to show some, some symptoms what you would associate with radiation poisoning, which... Could I ask if their skin was turning like brown, like a darker color, like a like tan? Tan brown? No, I, I, haven't, <gasps> I haven't read uh, anything about that. They did say, however, that they, it was pretty, like it's conclusive that it was radiation poisoning. Oh wow! Yeah. So that also, can I just um, can I just say that our special guest is probably way more prepared than we are. Yeah, I was just like he's referencing <laughs> years and stuff. We haven't done yeah. that. <laughs> we we and, basically do this podcast where we Google in real time. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, that's a, Joe Rogan does that. You can do it too. We should make this a regular feature with like just us right. hacking away and like a more prepared like special guest <laughs> to do our work for us. I was saying, I would have never believed in aliens. It was like a, you know, it's like interesting to look at, but you know, you never believe it. But a few months, two years ago, you know, Tom DeLong of all people releases these three mm-hmm. videos of the U.S. Navy's encounters with uh, 
with what they can only describe as UFOs. Like, so, oh, wow. the, you know, it's, and the Pentagon recently formed another task force to look into this matter. So it's, you know, it's gaining some speed. We have, like, accepted that they are UFOs. So what happened at the Atlas, it's not out of the question. It is entirely possible that these glowing orange orbs came down and then scared these people so much that they ran. And I was like, they didn't have any external injuries, which is still surprising to me. Like, if if it was a Yeti, you know, the first thing you would think, like, okay, this this giant creature breaks their bones, it leaves, like, scratch. But no, they had, like, all of their injuries were internal. <clears throat> yeah, I'm and thinking anal probe. <laughs> Probably. Oh, I mean, well, they were they were missing like eyeballs and tongues and was like skin tissue or something like that. Mm-hmm. So Not tissue, I mean, but internal stuff, yeah. Which yeah. is like actually super um, corresponding to anal probes. Now that I think about it, which is sure, cool. yeah, yeah. I mean, and not a scratch on their like like body, which is well, not a scratch, but you know what I mean. No external injuries. Some pretty sophisticated probes. Yeah. Damn. Damn. I think this has replaced Yeti as my favorite, second favorite theory. Because my first is still like military involvement. Yeah, I, I definitely think uh, military involvement is most probable. Mm-hmm. Um, but also like, um, you know, orbs and, and unidentified like injuries and radiation and shit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Radiation is the one that you know that, that makes you raise your eyebrows. Like, what the hell? But isn't it yeah. true? That and it was just one guy, right? Have radiation? Like, radiation is like everywhere. Um, so I don't know, like the bananas, bananas, bananas. Yeah, but, but not enough to like you know give off a, a reading, right? Yeah, and also not enough. Like, even if they had bananas in their backpacks, like radiation was for for <laughs> uh, found all along the perimeter of the site. So. How many fucking bananas were they carrying? <laughs> Can I just say I really want to name a band Bananas in My Backpack? Because that sounds amazing. <laughs> mm-hmm. so, another point I like that I wanted to bring up was, so alien sightings have, like, after World War II, after we bombed Hiroshima and Nagasaki, mm-hmm. at nuclear sites, there is an increased frequency of sightings. Ooh. So one of the two or three of the uh, incidents that I know of is in, in Ukraine and uh, Russia. So they have their nuclear missile sites there. So one day this giant UFO comes down, loads of people see it, and it breaks apart into uh, like uh, smaller UFOs. It was a bright light. <gasps> and it comes down onto the nuclear rockets and, disab- and activates them and then disables them one by one. So these rockets aren't are not connected in any way, shape, or form. So even to do that to like one rocket is enough. It did it to the entire like arsenal, which scared the you know crap out of the Russians. They're like, oh fuck, the Americans have you know they've advanced much more than we have. I think this also happened at the U.S. Canada border. There's a um, nuclear site there, so it happened there as well. But this has happened. The after we bombed Hiroshima and Nagasaki, after World War II, there has been an increased number of sightings in aliens. Wow. Of UFOs. And, yeah. It's almost like they're coming down. Like, by how you keep weapons. saying, we bombed? We. Like, what is right, happening? we bombed. Well, the white people bombed. You know, the yeah, Americans. This is like, this is and, American I, and I see we as the, co- the collective humanity. 
Uh, we, no, when you're talking I, about I, I would very much like to be excluded from this narrative. Yes, Taylor Swift, for once I fucking agree with you. <laughs> <laughs> when you're talking about aliens, it's a we, the humanity versus the aliens. So I mean. <laughs> Yeah. No, but essentially bringing this back. So what you're saying is that the um, the Atlov Pass is essentially so we so the military uh, theory and the alien theory then in fact goes hand in hand because the the Atlov Pass could then be like a military like a nuclear site, and so the aliens could just be I don't know checking in to see how we're doing. Yeah. Sure. Ties up radiation, military, and Yeah. yeah. All of that radiation. Very interesting. Was this anywhere near like a known nuclear base? They were testing out sort of military like parachute mines, but I'm not sure about the nuclear aspect, to be honest. Damn. I just want to bring like a very quick point back to Dyatlov Pass. Um, so the deputy engineer of the Chernobyl nuclear plant had the same surname as like the, you know, Dyatlov of Dyatlov Pass. He was called Igor Dyatlov. And that raised, right. you know, some suspicions about people saying that these two disasters were connected because, of course, we have the radiation evidence. And there's a conspiracy theory, which is very fringe, but it says that the Dyatlov group was basically um, a KGB or CIA sort of involvement kind of thing. I don't really believe in that because, like, it's Russia and a lot of people are called Dyatlov, I'm sure. But that's just (laughs) a small thing that I wanted to point out. I mean, yeah, I mean, I pointed out at the beginning of this podcast that four out of these nine people uh, were called, <laughs> yeah, four of these people were called Yuri, yeah. Yuri, so, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but also, I, I actually, uh, the more I hear about this stuff, the more I kind of see where you were coming from, Mona, because I think that uh, a lot of this, uh, even down to like their choice of words, like a compelling natural force. Unnatural force. A compelling natural force. Yeah, so what the hell does that mean? So it just, just kind of sounds like a cover up. So it yeah. could just be like military yeah. operation that they're trying to. Soviet Russia was like the, the yeah. home of cover ups, right? Yeah. yeah. And so uh, they're probably not trying to cover up aliens, but just like military operations. And that's try- making us believe that there's something else out there that we should be intrigued about. Absolutely. So it's kind well, of they might be covering up aliens like as a, well. No, but it could be a deflection technique. It just could be military operations is what I'm saying. You know yeah. how like, uh, you know the thing that celebrities do like every time they get like a, like a plastic surgery, like a jaw shave or like a nose job, they also simultaneously get like a ridiculous mm-hmm. haircut. Ooh, that's so interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So like, you know, uh, so I'm just going to use um, a random example. You know how like uh, Jennifer Lawrence just like after the Hunger Games, she just got like a pixie cut. Yeah. Right. She so a lot of people with surgery. Yeah, a lot of people speculated that it's because she got her jaw fixed or whatever. But <gasps> it's just like it's just a way for oh. and it's something that celebrities use so that you know uh, people. Yeah, a deflection technique so people talk wow. about that drastic hairstyle change. So yeah, I I just think that this is like a like a deflection technique. So covering up like your military activity and just calling it alien or like not even alien activity, but just using these really choice words that make us theorize and it kind of deflects our thinking away from the military operation. Mm -hmm. What do you think, brother? So the U.S. had a a program called the, uh, it was called Project Blue Book, and it was headed by this Dr. J. Allen Hynek. Mm -hmm. So this guy was brought on as a 
deep a professional debunker he has like a great resume and all that he's a doctor and he has a phd whatever mm-hmm. and so he is brought on to investigate what they would call ufo sightings and and uh, he comes up with uh, so have you heard of the uh, classification of your encounters like the f- encounters of the first kind second kind yes. third kind and so on yes. yeah yes so this is the guy who made uh, built this classification oh wow so throughout the 60s 70s and i think 80s he was tasked with investigating ufo sightings and he like narrowed it, like so he had a lot of cases and what his job was was to infiltrate ufo groups like and delegitimize them hmm. and to like he was like a smoke and mirrors guy like he would come in to a like a legitimate ufo sighting and he would like oh no this is like a weather balloon or this is like a, a, a an experimental plane or a yeah. plane or you were just hallucinating so this his job was documenting and like not letting this leak out into the public and this creating a story and uh and just releasing it to the public so that you know they focus on that and not the original thing. Mm-hmm. Wow. Where can I sign up for this job? <laughs> <laughs> But by the end of this thing he actually believed in UFOs. He he was brought on as a <laughs> yeah, he was brought on as the uh, a professional debunker and, and in 1978 he gave a speech to the UN to and he basically warned the UN it's like okay we need to focus on these things because these things are coming down onto the earth yeah oh man yeah it's pretty this guy J Allen Hynek like he was heading the project blue book in the united states and i think i think he had the he was responsible for the roswell cover up as well so roswell oh, wow. yeah 1947 new mexico roswell So big pharma, big tobacco, big PhD. All people we need yeah. to be suspicious of. But he broke yeah. free. I feel like this is Damn. what happens to um every conspiracy theorist at one point. You know how like you go in um mm-hmm. you know the whole Beatles theory that Paul McCartney died after the first album and then he was replaced by a lookalike. You know yes. so like you always go in yeah. scoffing, right? And then the more you read about it the more you start believing, oh my god, this could have happened, right? Because there's so Yes. Like Stephen King did kill John Lennon. Yeah, It's true. Yeah. <laughs> Ted Kennedy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The, that is a theory. They actually look identical. Yeah. The guy who killed John Lennon yeah. and Stephen yeah. King. <laughs> so also, you person. always go in like scoffing at these, but the more like it's so easy to just get immersed in them because you know the way that these. The yeah, rabbit yeah, hole. Yeah, they're yeah. so compelling. So this so guy's awesome. like has this amazing resume, and like he's brought on as the. He's still <laughs> human. He's still a human being. He still has curiosity. <laughs> <laughs> well, we have more of these US programs. There's super interesting. I think though. he's dead, but another guy in the UK's Department of Ministry of Defense, uh Nick Pope. So he had the exact same job. He was the head of the UK UFO thing and he had the exact same job. He would go to these ufo incidents and he would plant a fake story so that you know the people involved would think okay we're crazy not this guy so and mm, ever since the program had ended and he retired you know he's been very vocal about his you know, involvement in this program mm. wow so basically like the governments of the world are gaslighting yeah. us like abusive sure. husbands that's, that's the bottom line so people like, along is like okay i was dead set on revealing everything to the world 
but once i came into this thing mm-hmm. like i realized okay why they the government or whatever they don't release it to the public because look at how we reacted to covid you know people going to shops buying out everything yeah. so how do you think we can react to aliens mm, so it's like mitigation yeah. of like um fear disaster disaster well i think <laughs> on that note we have to say thank you to brother or alien oh, expert yes. thank you brother i'm not an alien expert <laughs> <laughs> it's too late you, you are, are our alien expert internet yeah. does not lie all right i'll take that title <laughs> all righty then thank you for having me on we'll see you some other time always bye 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 all right so we're not sure yeah we're not sure how we're going to work this i think we might turn the brother stuff that you've been hearing about all this whole episode into like a mini episode we'll see how that works uh, but mariam i sort of want to ask you a couple of questions i have uh, some trivia questions for you now because we've talked about this a lot um and uh, are you ready i'm never ready for trivia questions but shoot <laughs> <laughs> okay well the first one is fairly easy i think you might have come across this in your research but dayatlov pass the original name of the mountain is something that i cannot really pronounce but it's kolat siakl that's my best impression of it um but what does this mean in the local mansi language do you know uh is this the question Yes, that's the question. What does this word mean in the local Mansi language? I I did come across it. Damn, and it was in that Atlantic um article that I speed read. I think it was a uh, dead mountain. Yes. Oh, well done. Oh, hey. <laughs> hey, I got one right for once. <laughs> but it's only called Dyatlov Pass because of course one of the major sort of uh, people leading the expedition was called Dyatlov so that's how we remember it today but the Mansi people call it dead mountain because it's pretty uninhabitable uninhabitable whatever the word is um my second question <laughs> my second question is that um before they went out to the Dyatlov Pass they stayed at a local inn nearby and one of the people in like a moment of lightheartedness made up like a fake newspaper and had a fake headline on it just for the lols yeah. and um i want to ask you what the fake headline was so i'll give you three options and you have to pick what the actual headline was but some people say that it's very telling of what happened after mm-hmm. so basically they all start with the phrase according to the latest information so a according to the latest information the military will be the end of us b according to the latest information abominable snowmen live in the northern urals three according to the latest information diaklov loves zineda and zineda of course was one of the two female hikers on the path and a lot of people think that that the um you know ensuing sort of panic and fighting happened because there was some fight between the hikers and perhaps it was motivated by love or lust or an affair so the hollywood take on it abominable snowmen live in the northern urals <laughs> and the hollywood take the atlov loves zineda what of do you course, think of course um <laughs> I, i'm 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 sorry but i did read this as well in the same art. I think I just picked a really good article to speed read. But <laughs> yeah. Yeah, uh, it's the one uh, with the abominable snowman. 
Yes, it is. 100%. (laughs) Yeah. But I like the one where the military will be the end of us because I 100% am in the camp of the military fucking up these people's lives. And Putin, if you're going to poison my tea, well, guess what, you fucker? I don't drink tea anymore. Deal with it. What? Didn't he like poison the tea of one of his like main political opponents recently? Is that a thing that I just misread? That's not what I gasped over. <laughs> oh, <laughs> you a brown person with it from the subcontinent were appalled that I don't drink tea anymore. <laughs> well, I just like that is what I should have been appalled over, but <laughs> oh man, that is hilarious. <laughs> He doesn't do it for me anymore. Oh oh my God, that is controversial. I've I've recently quit smoking, which means that I just have to have a lot of caffeine. Otherwise, I feel like I'm dying. I was sipping sipping on that tea. I'm sorry to disappoint you. Yeah, how how can we be friends now? I just don't know how to make friends with people who don't like tea. (laughs) I'm really sorry. I like it, but I just like coffee more. I'm sorry. That's okay. I also like coffee, but you know, it is what it is. <laughs> there we go. Mm. Okay. So. Okay. So I feel like this has been our longest episode because we just went down the rabbit hole. <laughs> I mean, we had a we special really guest. We had our alien expert and brother just really took us on another tangent. But Overprepared brother, by the way. I know. I right? feel bad. There are like 40 minutes of Googling before. <laughs> no, I do want to say that he uh, did not over-prepare. He just knows this much. Like this sincerely is a secret obsession as much as he liked to deny it. <laughs> I, think he's, I think he's genuinely afraid that he'll be abducted because he knows too much. <laughs> Brother, hashtag not the alien expert. Hashtag yeah. yes, he is. Yes, he is. <laughs> Okay, so mm-hmm. I, um, I mean, uh, as with all our podcasts, I have to ask you, why are you so obsessed with this incident? Well, I think part of it, I've already spoken about how when I was a kid, I, I noticed that brother talked about how he was actually, this was part of his coursework, these mysteries. But when we were kids, we only heard about like the Marie Celeste or the Bermuda Triangle and sort of very basic stuff like that. So I think my obsession with true crime is just um, in general about um, trying to make sense of, you know, why things are the way they are, what we can do to improve them. As a young woman, I think there's a lot of, um, uh, there, there's a sense of me that wants, there's a part of me that wants to figure out how to make things better for myself, for people like me who are vulnerable. Um, but this mystery um, in particular is just such a strange one because it's so creepy, it's so unsettling. But at the heart of this are these young people who, like me, are sort of, you know, wanting to get the most of life. They're sort of university educated. Not that that is, you know, at all, um, you know. Doesn't validate them, yeah. Moral worth or whatever, yeah, in life. Absolutely. But I just sort of relate to them a lot because, you know, they're just um, people trying to put as much into their life as they can and they need this sort of senseless confusing end that nobody can make sense of and so for me it's just trying to sort of understand what happened and what really sort of makes me sad is that perhaps you know at least half of them knew that um, you know for them the end wasn't sudden it was expected they'd seen their friends die and 
um, and, and they were in a bad place that at, the, at a bad time. And, and so it's just a sort of weird fascination with, um, you know, like you said, it's perverse and it's sort of seems wrong, but it, it's still, it's part of the human condition and, and death is fascinating to us because we all know that, you know, whatever experiences we think we won't have in life, death is one that we 100% will. So it, it's all sort of part of that big mix of, of being human. And um, I really hope that, uh, you know, someday we figure out what happened to these people. But I think ultimately it doesn't really matter because they did pass away and their families were left alone and, 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 and you know, they didn't get to see them grow up and have kids or whatever else people want to do in life. So it's very, it's very sad that way. So, you know, whatever happens, I, I really hope that these people went, you know, quickly and didn't really suffer too much. Um, but I think a part of my fascination with it is because it's so sort of open to, you know, so many theories and military involvement, and political ramifications and yetis and, you know, indigenous tribes that are bloodthirsty because why not white people? Mm. Um, but yeah, I think that's, that's why. So all of this brings me to my final question, and this is the golden question. Uh -oh. um, but Maria, mm. what would you rate my secret obsession? Oh man! <laughs> so I mean, I do, I do kind of wa want to say that uh, once again that I know this obsession is a little bit. I mean, not, not to blame you, but I just mean the whole phenomena is a little bit voyeuristic, and I always do wonder, yeah. like, what the families think of think about yeah. people just speculating about this so intensely in the same way that I thought about how people started theorizing about um, the Malaysian plane incident or even like uh, recently uh, you know um, the actress from Glee Naya Rivera like um, yeah. you know when she was found missing uh, but I mean it, she had just gone missing and people were creating all these theories so and the, and the family did mention or the friends did mention how it was really insensitive. So I, you know, it's something that yeah. I have to be wary of. But also, like you've mentioned, like, um, it is fascinating. And it has fascinated people enough that um, the case was reopened very recently. Yeah. And it has once again, uh, come to the forefront of our, um, like of our knowledge and of our conversation. So mm -hmm. and also just the fact that we got so deeply involved in it. I think this is a solid obsession and I'm giving you a nine out of 10. Wow. I was not expecting that. <laughs> <laughs> I am pleased. Wow. Yeah. Nice. So it's Glad not a, it. it's not a gorilla 10 on 10, but it's close enough. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The gorilla is our gold standard in podcasting. I think, I don't think anyone's anything's going to achieve that milestone. Listen, gorillas are the best people. Okay. They really are. Mm -hmm. They're the best of us. They are. <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you for doing all your research into the Diatlov boss. And I'm really happy that this was fun for you. Um, any parting words you would like to say? I would just like to say that it was, in fact, 45 minutes of research that bought this to our episode. <laughs> so don't hang me too much. <laughs> I will return the favor next week. <laughs> <laughs> With one of my obsessions. Yes, I'm looking forward to it. All right, then. So I guess we'll see you in the next episode. See you next time, guys. Bye. Stay obsessed.